This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Amazing Grace for another session. I pray you will be blessed by the program today. My name's Lynette and today I'm joined by my husband Dennis. Here at Amazing Grace we want to hear from you. We also have some free giveaways. The magazine signs which you'll find here locally in Palmerston North in the um, takeaways and this magazine has articles on health and family and issues we face in life every day. We also have the book as a um, giveaway, the book Steps to Christ. We're also happy to pray for you or a friend or family member on or off air. You can contact us either by email at info at mpr.nz or you can text us. The email address is 0226815216. And we're just going to start our radio program today with a prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask for your grace and your guidance in what is um, shared today. We pray that your Holy Spirit will speak to all of our hearts in Jesus' name, Amen. Right, so I'm just going to share a um, short devotion with you to start with, and we're looking at Philippians 4, 4 to 6. And I'm going to share it from the New Living Version. And it says, Always be full of joy in the Lord, I say it again. Rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And as I was reading this, I thought, yeah, there there seems to be a recipe there for handling and for finding true rest even amid a harrowed and painful world. So the number one ingredient for this recipe for peace is to rejoice or be full of joy in the Lord and I think that that's something that is supernatural 
It's hard to be happy when we're having a hard time, but we are asked to rejoice or to count our blessings. And and then the second ingredient is let your gentleness or graciousness be known to all. That's what it says in the New King James. And in the version I just read, it says, let everyone see your consideration. So be considerate to people, to others, as God has been considerate to you and I. And then the third ingredient is don't worry about anything, but in everything, tell God by prayer, Tell God what you need. Thank him for all he is doing and done. And then when those things are put together, mixed together, they will result in experiencing God's peace, verse 7 says, which exceeds anything we can understand and his peace will guide our hearts and minds. So that's quite quite um, profound, I think. And, friend, I'm inviting you to read um, Philippians 4, 4 to 6 again for yourself in your own time. And um, here's a question you can ask yourself. In what ways can you apply these wonderful words to your experience right now in whatever trials and tribulations you are facing? Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for your recipe for peace in the midst of trouble. And we thank you that you are our source of peace and that we can rest in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now we're going to have a song.
song to start off with wasn't it were you taking the advice of Philippians 4 4 to 6 alrighty so now I'm going to share our health tip for this session working through the book the little book called live more happy and yes I just mentioned that too we do have some um, free giveaways of this book and we do have a limited number, so first in, first serve. But yeah, it's it's a really good book, and it's dealing with the emotional well-being centre of our brain and how we can actually do some things to help our whole well-being, just simple things. And Dr. Darren Morton, who's written this book, refers to the system, the limbic limbic system. He, he calls it um, our limbo just as a nickname just to make things a bit more um, easier to grasp. And so the limbo contains several structures, all with complicated names, but calling them limbo will work for our purposes. As we have discovered our limbo is an incredibly important part of us and we want to keep it working in good working order. And in case you're wondering where our limbo lives, it is located in the middle of our brain, just behind the part that looks like a cauliflower, which um, he calls the leader. And much has been learned about the limbo through the work of inquisitive brain researchers. So we have, um, we're up to chapter four. So the first chapter we looked at what you need to know about your limbo. The second, your limbo is listening, the power of speaking positively. Motion creates emotion and that was all about exercise and even the way that we sit and walk. And now blue and green should often be seen. And last session we looked at um, sight what we should um, choose you know what we look at um, sound how that affects our limbo and now we're looking at 
smell and taste. While the emotional responses to sight and sound are obvious, our sense of smell is often underplayed. Smell can profoundly stimulate our limbo because our olfactory nerve responsible for this sense leads from the back of our nose directly to our limbo. Isn't that fascinating? There was a time when the limbo was referred to as, now I'm going to try and say this word the right way, rhinencephalon. It was referred to as the rhinencephalon, which literally means smell brain, because the olfactory nerve is such a massive input into the limbo. This explains several interesting phenomena. For example, have you ever noticed that the slightest whiff of a particular scent can instantly bring memories flooding back and transport you back in time? Our limbo is so strongly tuned in to our sense of smell that it picks up on the scent and thinks, I know that smell, and proceeds to replay its associated memories. Maybe something like, uh, maybe your mum used to cook a favourite dish for you, maybe like pancakes and jam and cream, maybe special on a Sunday morning or something. And um, yeah, that whole memory of that scent is associated with the love and the and the fun time you would have together. So um, more so it can make us feel like we did back then, dredging up the associated emotions. We might even experience the same automatic bodily responses we had at the time the memory was made. Very powerful. For me, Dr. Darren says, the smell of coconut oil reminds me of the beach in summer when I was a teenager. That was the scent of the most popular sunscreen lotion at the time. So whenever I encountered the smell, a flood of memories returns and I feel carefree. I can even feel the warmth of the sun on my skin. This is a great example of the limbo being stimulated and linking its various functions, memory, emotion and automatic bodily processes. Smell has a sister sense, taste. You might have noticed that when your nose is blocked and you can't smell, you can't taste anything either. This explains why our emotional state can have such a strong impact on our eating habits. When our limbo latches on to a smell or taste that it finds appealing, it keeps us coming back for more. In other words, we are highly motivated. Have you ever been to an all-you-can-eat restaurant and proceeded to really get full value as we sit at the table full of the full to the point of pain we make a commitment that we will never again indulge like this but a moment later we are reaching for another spoonful of dessert why would we do such a thing to ourselves the limbo is Sorry, the answer is our limbo likes the hit it gets from our olfactory nerve, our smell, sense of smell, and it drives us back for more. The two-year-old limbo often gets its way regardless of what the leader might say, what the major part of the brain might say, or 
Do you notice that when we're feeling down, we tend to repetitively open the refrigerator door or the cookie jar? It is called comfort eating, and it is a result of our limbo seeking a pleasurable lift in the most powerful and instantaneous way it knows from the olfactory nerve. Boredom, which is a lack of emotional stimulation, can have a similar effect. When our two-year-old limbo starts screaming, I'm bored, I'm bored, it drives us to eat some pleasure-tasting food for stimulation. We might find ourselves absent-mindedly standing in front of the open pantry asking ourselves, what was I doing again? Indeed, any change to our emotional state, including depression, stress or boredom, can affect our eating behaviours because of the way our limbo is linked to our sense of smell and taste. Through their effect on our limbo, sights, sounds and smells and tastes can affect our mood in profound ways. Now that we are armed with these insights, Let's piece it all together to explore how we can use this understanding to be more emotionally up. The great outdoors are great. Dr. Darren Morton loves to hang glide. And he says, my personal height record is about 4,000 metres, about 13,000 feet. To get that high, you first launch off the side of a cliff then go hunting for an invisible pocket of rising hot air called a thermal. Thermals are released from the ground when it gets hot in much of the same way that a bubble is released from the bottom of a pot of boiling water. When you fly into a thermal, you certainly know about it because its turbulence can toss you around like a leaf in the wind. Once you have located the thermal, you then need to pluck up the courage to start turning circles inside it and hang on tight as you climb toward the heavens. The day I attained my personal height record, I watched the ground fall away as I circled up at more than 300 metres or more than 1,000 feet per minute. Mm, That sounds fast. When the thermal gets high enough, and cold enough, it begins to condense, and this gives birth to a cum- cumulus cloud. On the day I achieved my personal height record, the air around me began to grow misty as I approached 4,000 metres, and I was immersed in a new creation in the sky, as the sky welcomed another fluffy decoration. For several minutes, I flew around the edge of the forming cloud, just soaking it all in. The view was absolutely breathtaking, whichever way I looked, I was surrounded by bright blue, and below me was a mat of green that extended to the horizon. All my senses were alert, captivated, attuned to everything around me, and it wasn't only the sights. There was a loud silence, and the moist cool air had the smell and texture of new rain. I felt truly alive, energised, full of awe, wondering, wonder and joy. And I felt 
That way, for days after, the experience will always stay with me. And we'll leave it there, so that's that's a bit of taste of hand gliding. Wow, okay. And uh, I think we'll have another song now. I was blind, now I'm seeing in color I was dead, now I'm living forever I had failed, but you were my redeemer I've been blessed beyond all measure I was lost, now I'm found by the Father I've been changed from a ruin to treasure I've been given a hope and a future I've been blessed beyond a
um, yes, counting every blessing. It's a great thing to do. Right, so now we're just going to have our ad break. Ad break. If you're a fan of NPR, listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier. Just search for accessmedia.nz on the App Store or Google Play and download the app with the Kiwi Fruit logo. Once you've got it, pick Manawatu People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favourite show. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate. Welcome. You are listening to Amazing Grace on Man or Two People's Radio and you are listening um, to Dennis uh, very shortly. And But just before that, we will um, just cover again that here at Amazing Grace, we want to hear from you. And we do have um, a free giveaway, actually an extra one has been added, and that is the book Live More Happy by Dr. Darren Morton, which is a really um, great little book that we've been going through in our health tip time. Also the book Signs uh, magazine, which you can find here in the local takeaways, and the book Steps to Christ. And we would really like to hear from you. Any comments, and um, we're happy to pray for you or a family member or friend off air or on air, and you can contact us on info at mpr.nz or text on 0226815216. And now, Dennis is going to be continuing his series from the Book of Revelation, and today he is um, looking at the Seventh Church of Laodicea. Um, welcome. Um, it's great to be here again and um, to share a few thoughts from the book of Revelation. So last time we were finishing, summarizing, finishing um, uh, the message to the Philadelphian church, which is a really interesting church. And I finished last week giving you some thoughts about what heaven is going to be like. So, um, yeah, what a wonderful uh, future um uh, we have when we have Jesus. I've also been um, um, trying to encourage people to um, get this series of little booklets that don't cost a lot, um, and you can get them online by going to Revelation, Hope, Meaning, and Purpose. And uh, there's a set of 12 or a set of 14. No, um, not 14, 24, sorry. So there's a set of... Um, 12 or as a set of 24 and they're really helpful they're written for lay people they're written and they've got all the main points of the book of Revelation now today we're just going to look at uh, the book of um, or the church of Laodicea and this is the last church and I'll just read it to start with so this is Revelation 3 um, 14 14 to 22, and uh, this is what it says, To the angel of the church of the later seers, write, These things say the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. And he says, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. 
I would wish that you were cold or hot. And because because then you are lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say I'm rich and become wealthy and need of nothing and do not know that they are wretched, miserable, poor, blind and naked. <clears throat> and then in verse 18 um, says this, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and white raiment that you might be clothed and that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with eyesore that you may see. As many as I I love, I rebuke and chase, and therefore be zealous to repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him, dine with him, and he with me. Then the wonderful promise, to him that overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. And then it says, he who has an ear, he who has an ear, actually in the Gospels, he who has ears, let him hear. But it says here, even if you only got one ear, um, hear what the Spirit has to say to the churches. So that's the message to Laodicea. Now, there's interesting about the history, the history. And um, it was founded in the year 250 BC, so 250 years before the time of Christ, by um, um, Antinoch of Syria, uh, named after his wife Laodicea. It is one of the great commercial centres of the ancient world. It... Uh, it was a great banking and financial center, one of the wealthiest cities in the world. Now, in AD 61, a devastating earthquake, they were so rich and independent, they refused help from Rome and rebuilt the city themselves. It was so wealthy, it didn't even need, didn't need um, God. It was a, a great centre of um, clothing manufacturing. Uh, they were proud of it. Um, it. It was a very considerable uh, medical centre. Uh, so famous were the doctors. <coughs> um, the names of some of them on the coins of Laodicea and the medical school were famous for two things through the world the ointment for the ears and the ointment for their eyes. They had uh, medical skill to care for the eyes but never realised that they were spiritually blind. And there was a large um, population, uh, Jewish population in that area and they were wealthy, uh, very wealthy. So that's interesting, the history, you know, the history of that town. So, um, yes. Yeah, that it's very interesting, the links between the practical... Um, 
historical. Yeah, the historical, the the details of that city and and how God uses them in in this um, section of Revelation. So, so Dennis, what does Laodicea mean? Yeah, well, it, it's interesting. Um, it means um, judgment of the people. That's what it means, mm. judgment of the people. So it's interesting that um, Jesus didn't have anything um, good to say about this church, which is really sad. Now, in these um, <clears throat> little booklets I have on the book of Revelation, which people can get online, um, in session two and on page four, it actually lists the the seven churches, and it's got the descriptions, um, description of Jesus, Jesus, what he knows about the church, his he commends, rebukes, counsel, and um, the promises, and it's all set out. And it's really, um, it's really well done. But when you have a look at the um, Jesus commands. There's nothing there um, from from Jesus on this church of Laodicea. So, does that mean that there's no hope for this church? Right. Um, <clears throat> yes. Well, uh, there's wonderful hope for this church because Jesus never rebukes unless there is an opportunity um, for hope. Um, the the best promises um, is in actually verse 21, and we'll get to that later. Um, so this has the greatest promise in this church. So there is hope for it. God never, right throughout the Bible, he often rebuking for uh, waywardness, for sin, um, rebellion. But whenever God does that, there's always hope if people would turn to him. So... That's a wonderful thought, isn't it? Mm. Um, the the problem with this church, it doesn't see its need, and uh, that's a very very common problem. Um, <clears throat> now, I just um, I just like to read. Actually, um, I'll turn it up in my Bible. In um, it's Proverbs thirty, in verse twelve. Interesting verse. And it says there that there is a generation that are pure in its own eyes, yet is not washed from its filthiness. So <clears throat> we can look good in our eyes, but not so good in God's eyes. So, <clears throat> for instance, um, in my um, little booklet here, I, I, I've written some extra statements and for instance, um, I got this from a, a book on Proverbs and it says, we must know our real condition or we shall not feel our need of Christ for Christ and his help. We need to understand our danger or we shall not flee for refuge. We must feel the pain of our wounds or we shall not desire healing. And uh, I got a, out of a book from Spurgeon, and he says there that um, the point of contact between the sick and the physician is the disease. Right? You don't go to the doctor unless you've got a problem, do you? You don't do that, do you? No, no, you don't. No, you don't. So um, 
Laodicea has got a problem. Um, and I see it's only the sick that value a doctor, but Laodicea doesn't realize um, its problem. Now, the, the paradox of grace is that the greatest saints feel themselves to be the greatest sinners. Like Paul, Paul said uh, that he was the chief of sinners. He said that. Um, it wasn't just a nice saying. He believed it. Um, he says in Romans 7.24, um, Wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? <clears throat> so the humans are blind to its real condition. But we can ask Jesus to open our eyes, can't we? Um, and when the Holy Spirit works in our lives, we see our need. Now, it's um, in Matthew uh, 5 and verse 3, it says, this is from a, a modern translation, it says, Blessed are those who recognize they are spiritually helpless. Helpless. Right. So, yeah, we must recognize our need, and uh, we need we need God to help us in this. So I, I think we should have a break. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure.
So we're dealing with um, Dennis's sharing from the book of Revelation and we're looking at the book of Laodicea. Back to you, Dennis. Right, yes. So before we were saying um, in verse 17, um, 16 and 17, they they don't realise, this Laodicean church doesn't realise its condition. Uh, God calls it wretched, pitiful, poor, blind and naked. Now, um, this church, um, I believe, is before the final church. You remember last time I was talking, or last um, two or three times, we were talking about Philadelphian church. And um, <clears throat> we believe that because it was the sixth church, this is the church that will go through the final crisis um, that Satan will bring upon this world. So that will be the final church. But this is the church before God... Um, before we get to that final church, this is the church where there will be um, a big shake because it says, it says there, a big shaking. It says, the, because you are lukewarm, uh, neither hot nor cold, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. So it's talking about a shaking there. Now, when you go over to Revelation 6 um, and you get into the seals, which we will talk more about, but on chapter 6 and um, verse 12, 12 and 13, you have this, this mighty shaking in nature. But before there's a, a mighty shaking um, in nature, there's going to be a spiritual shaking, a shaking um, uh, people into um, two main camps, those who are for God and those who are against them. Now, there's quite a bit in the Bible that talks about this. At the end, um, the parable of the tears, Jesus mentioned about the, the wheat and the tears, and the angels separate them into those two groups. So there comes a time when there is a big, big shaking. Now, there's another interesting verse. Uh, well, there's quite a few interesting verses that I've discovered uh, reading through the Bible on this subject. But um, just to give you one, um, for instance, in Isaiah um, 33, verse 14, it says, The sinners in Zion are terrified, trembling, grips the godless. Who of us can dwell with consuming fire? Who of us can dwell with everlasting burning? Right, so <clears throat> there's going to be a mighty shaking, a spiritual shaking and a physical shaking. Um, so... The Bible in Haggai 2 um, says three times, give careful thought to your ways. Um, in Deuteronomy chapter 4, we have th- um, three times it says, be careful, be careful, watch yourself closely. So there's quite a warning there. Now, <clears throat> this church of Laodicea, um, the ones who respond will actually end up being in that Philadelphia church, which will be the final church. <clears throat> now, let's have a look at um, the council. We'll just have a look at the council. I'm going to ask Lynette if she can read verses 18 and 19. Just do 18 and 19, eh? Mm. Yeah, it's just interesting because thought of that verse, wonderful counsellor, mighty God, Prince of Peace, and uh, that Jesus is our 
as our counsellor in here, he's saying, I counsel you to buy from me food, from me, sorry, from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and white garments that you may be clothed that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with eyes love that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Was I to read the next one or not? Yeah, no, that's that's fine Mm at this stage. So here is the counsel, the counsel for this church. See, whenever there is a rebuke, that's a good sign. And there's a lot of rebukes in the Bible, but there's a lot of positive counsel. And if we follow the counsel, um, there is hope no matter what condition. Now, um, we, we're thinking about uh, the three things there. Um, <clears throat> three things. Um, we're going to uh, look at these three things. So <clears throat> the, the three things in, in the council there. Okay. And one of them is gold. Gold. Buy gold. Okay. So, okay, so what does that mean, Dennis? What does that mean? Mm. Righto. So let's um, have a look at First Peter. First Peter, and <clears throat> I shall read it from the contemporary English version. And uh, when I get there, the Bible's its own interpreter. It's a wonderful book. It's the best book in the world. Now, this is what it says. Your faith will be like gold. Your faith will be like gold that has been tested in the fire. And these trials will prove that your faith is worth much more than gold that can be destroyed. It says that they will show that you will be given praise and honour and glory when Jesus Christ returns. Faith. Faith. (coughs) Faith. And love, actually. See, it says in the Bible um, <coughs> that it's a gift. See, how do we get it? How do we get this faith? It's a gift. For by grace are you saved, and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Right? So it's a gift. See, <coughs> we've got to... Um, we've got to uh, ask God for it. You see, it's interesting. I, I, I come across this statement that says God is waiting to give us faith and love. The Bible talks about seeking um, and asking and knocking. That's what it, uh, that's what the Bible often talks about. Um, right um, now. The clothes. What about the clothes? Mm, so what are the right clothes? What are the right clothes? So it says there, um, <clears throat> it says, so that you may become rich and white clothes to wear that you um, can cover cover your shameful nakedness. Now, in the Old Testament... Um, Old Testament times, to be naked was a terrible shame, terrible shame. So in God's eyes, Laodicea is naked. They need to be clothed. 
They really need to be clothed. Now, Lynette, can I get you to read? Uh, what do I want you to read? I want you to have a look at um, uh, Isaiah 64, verse 6. 64 and verse 6. But... Um, I'm going to read Revelation 16, and it talks about having clothes on. So remember, this is spiritual, talking spiritually. And verse 15 says, Behold, this is Revelation 16 and verse 15. It says, Behold, I come like a thief. Blessed is he who stays awake and keeps his clothes with him, so that he may not go naked and be shamefully exposed. Right, so that's interesting, isn't it? You've got to have your clothes on. So it's talking about spiritually. Right. Right. Um now my wife's just um <laughs> she's just reminded me we're running out of time. So uh let's just finish that thought. Can you just read that verse there? Sorry, what was it again? It was sixty four, Isaiah sixty four and verse six. Okay, but we are all like an unclean thing, and all our righteousness, all our righteousnesses, are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. Right. So it's saying our all our righteousness is filthy rags. So it's talking about all the things that we do, all the good things. It's talking about good things, not talking about the sins. It's talking about the good things. So, <clears throat> Joshua, he, uh, um, in Zechariah 3, he was clothed with filthy rags, and then he um, his garments were taken off him, and uh, he was put on new garments. Well, um, we have, we've definitely run out of time. Um, when we come to talking about the Bible, there's just so many good things to talk about. But the secret is, <clears throat> no matter what shape you're in spiritually, there is hope for you. So turn your eyes to Jesus, and next time we will come back and um, talk about this. Thank you, Dennis. All right, so from all of us here at Amazing Grace, we pray that you will grow in grace. May the love of um, the God of the, our Father God and the grace of Jesus and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you and um, God bless until next time